Hello, I'm Micah Woods, Chief Scientist at the Asian Turfgrass Center. This is another ATC Double Cut where I talk about some of the content on the ATC blog. Today, I'm going to talk about two posts, and these posts from uh, today's episode are about measuring the surface firmness of putting greens and especially about the tools that are used and also about the different grasses that are used uh, or what the firmness levels are on different types of grasses that are on putting greens. These aren't new posts. These are a couple what I would consider classic posts from a couple of years ago when I put these together. And I am excited to announce that it's not just going to be me talking about this. Today, I have a special guest. I'll bring him on now. It's Andrew McDaniel, who is the golf course superintendent and the assistant general manager at Keio Golf Club in Fukuoka, Japan. I chose these posts today, Andrew, because this is something that we've done a bit of measurement uh, of these things together. I know you've seen me use and struggle <laughs> with with using some of these tools and we've also considered this uh what maintenance practices affect the firmness of greens so i i thought it would be exciting to have you on today to talk about firmness and its measurement and uh, some of the practical things related to that yep looking forward to it all right well it, this first post uh, is one that I think I was prompted to write partially because uh, of a tweet that you made when you were down at the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. I'll uh, bring up this post, and I think you remember that tweet. Um, let's mm-hmm. see. I'm going to so I'll scroll down to the bottom of the post first. The post, and as usual with these ATC Double Cut episodes, I'm going to put a direct link to the posts that we're discussing. I'll put those in the description in the show notes so that you will be able to click through and look at these charts or photos, read the text, look at the little videos uh, if you're interested in this. And I think... Um, because firmness or surface hardness is so important when it comes to playability of turfgrass surfaces when they're used for sport, um, I hope some of you will be clicking through to this. So if I scroll down, Andrew, here it is. Okay, mm. so I wrote this the year after the President's Cup. When were you at the President's Cup? 2019. 2009, December of 2019. So I wrote this, I wrote this sometime in 2020 because I said last year I saw this and this was a, a tweet that you sent when you were at the at the President's Cup and you said, haven't ever quite seen numbers like that before. And this was a SDI Clayhammer 149, so that would be 14.9 gravities if I understand what that scale is. That's, uh, that's pretty high, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think at Kea, we if we get like 105 or even close to 110, we're like, wow, that's pretty firm. It's going to be fun today. I, and then I saw the ball at Royal Melbourne, and the ball is like bouncing up a, up in your eye level and then checks up after that. But I was just thinking, wow, I wonder what the numbers are on these. And they were out there with the Clegg. I said, I got to go out there and check this out. Mm-hmm. And, and- they're using the same clegg that I use, isn't that right? Exactly, that's right. So that's this is one that I've 
I've had a monologue about this before because I think that this is by far the best tool to use for measuring surface hardness. And it baffles me that people are not using this tool um, the world over. And this is this yeah. is one that's uh, built by SDI in England and they're licensed to build uh, or use the Clegg name, I guess, or, or to use that technology. And they've got something that's actually called, it's called a golf course firmness tester. And it is a 500 gram missile that you drop and the the tip of it has a dome, a domed head, a domed tip that matches the shape of a golf ball. It's used in the UK. It's used in other places around the world. It's used there at Royal Melbourne. And I've used it a lot. I've used it for over a decade. And I've never seen a case where the number that I get from it doesn't match the type of firmness that I feel with my feet that I'm see, like Andrew mentioned with the way that the ball's bouncing. Um, I, I just really like that tool. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I guess Andrew, you've, you've seen it used at multiple places. You've seen me use it. It's like the number makes oh. sense in terms of how the ball reacts and how, right. So I, I was impressed when I saw that, and it's 149. That would be on a Lynx surface in the UK. That would be relatively firm also. Um, mm -hmm. I understand that for the Open Championship, there's a, a blog post somewhere on my site that uh, shows um, a table that Steve Isaac, um, Steve Isaac, who, who used to be the... Uh, director of sustainability for the RNA. He he showed this chart at a seminar in Japan, and I, I believe he was showing that the target ranges with that clay for a link surface for the Open Championship would be something like 120 to 150 range, but uh -huh. that's for a links course, and you can see that Royal Melbourne ha is right at the. Uh, right at the, what would you say, upper end of, of that type of really firm surface. And mm -hmm. Andrew mentioned for Kea, something like 105, 110 would be quite firm. And I agree, for a Parkland-style golf course, which is what I would consider um, Kea in Japan to be, that's just about right for the slope on those greens, for the type of hazards and difficulty that you can get into around those greens. I think anything like 115 or 120 on the clay would be too firm and would be not quite fair for the players who are hitting from the fairway because it would be too difficult to shot, stop the ball on the putting surfaces. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. so we've been talking about the clay, um, but this post is called four tools to measure surface hardness. And I, I want to talk about the other tools and I show a picture, Andrew, you're seeing, I just want to confirm that you're seeing the blog post and the picture. Is, is that what we're looking at right now? It is. Okay. So from left to right. Now, if you're listening to this, we'll just describe what we're talking about, but you can, as I mentioned, there will be a link to this in the description and you can go see these photos and, and see some of the, the information here. At left, I've got the apparatus, which is uh, sold by a company, I think called Precision USA. 
and that's a ball bearing that you drop from a height of six feet and then you use a little washer and some type of digital caliper type of depth gauge to well, supposedly <clears throat> try to measure how deep the impression of the ball bearing is. That's what we see at the left. That's something that I own and have tried to use without much success. Then you've got the golf course firmness tester from SDI, the, the one that I recommend. Then you've got the USGA True Firm, the model that is manufactured and sold by Spectrum Technologies. And then the black device, the, it's like a type of cone penetrometer. That's called a Yamanaka tester. That's, that's sitting on, on this putting green. And that's the standard device for measuring firmness in Japan. And then there's a type of soil moisture meter. I think that's a TDR 150 or 250 um, at, at right, because we would expect that soil moisture content might be correlated with, uh, surface hardness. So I've done various attempts to try to see how these different tools are correlated. And in so doing, I've had a chance to use all of them. I think Andrew, you've used at one time or another, all of these too, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah. And I, I will tell you what my opinion is about just about ease of use of each of those and, and about repeatability of use. And then, um, I'd, I'll ask Andrew if he can comment and, uh, elaborate or disagree or anything. Um, I've had a lot of problems with the ball bearing drop, which I understand is used by the PGA tour for some of their firmness assessments. It's in theory, it's quite simple and it should work great because you're dropping a ball bearing that's quite heavy from a fixed height. And that is the size of a golf ball. And it seems like the depth of that should be related to firmness. It almost certainly is. The problems that I've had are, uh, I'll, I'll say I've got three major problems with that. Number one, uh, you, it takes a long time to do that. And then just to like get it set up, make sure you're dropping it from the right height. And then now you have to bend down to, to get yourself down to the putting green level. So you, you have to contort your body a lot for first you're standing upright, holding your arm at a six foot level, dropping it. Then you have to bend down and look at that ball mark and try to set up the washer over it and set that measuring thing over it. The digital, whatever, whatever the digital something, do you know what that is, Andrew, a digital adult? Yeah. It's, it's like a digital depth gauge may it's, yeah. it's almost something it like go buy at home Depot or Lowe's or something like that. Mm hmm. So I bought this, the official one from precision USA, and I don't want to tinker with it because I figure if I start tinkering with it, it's no longer the same thing that is the standard device. Mm -hmm. But now I'm going to go on to the second problem. The second problem is I can't get the, that digital, um, measuring, uh, let's see for the purpose of consistency. And so I don't just, uh, <laughs> call this something different every time I'm going to call it a digital caliper. Okay. Uh, which may not be what it is, but that's what I'll call it here. So I can't get that digital caliper to just rest over the washer and record the readout. I have to put pressure on it to keep it from flipping over. And when I put pressure on it, the number changes. So that means I, I actually can't 
really take a reading with it. So mm-hmm. that's that's the second problem. You've seen that, and mm-hmm. it's humorous because the thing just doesn't work. And so it's like, okay, I could go to Home Depot and buy something else that could make measure that. But then I have the big question: Am I if if I'm making my own now? I'm not doing the same one that that uh, is supposedly the standard device. And the third problem, which shouldn't it won't be a problem if you don't have loose sand on the greens, but I've found that anytime there's even a little bit of sand top dressing on the greens, recent sand top dressing, even a dusting type of sand top dressing, what will happen is the sand settles right at the bottom of that ball mark that's made. And then it's kind of inconsistent with how you're measuring the depth. If there's no sand in there, it's no problem. But I've had a some concerns when there's sand there. So that's my verdict on the my experience using that ball bearing drop. So what if what if the, the grains are are measuring one forty nine with the clay? Do you think that's even gonna make a ball mark? Ah, that's I remember there was that discussion at the Ryder uh, not at the Ryder Cup, at the at the President's Cup also. Um were they trying to use that and they struggled no. to use it? Is I, do you recall that? No, I didn't see them using it, but I was just curious if, if you could use that type of device and even get a reading. I don't know. I, I think it might be hard to find where it where it dropped because it would probably bounce and roll a little bit and not make much of an impression. So I just I found that one a bit finicky and difficult to use. And mm-hmm. other people have used it said, oh, it's so easy. It's no problem. It's like it just works great. And I'm like, well... Yeah, I, I wish mine did because I paid six or seven hundred dollars for it and have never really been able to um, make use of it. And of course, I could fabricate my own, but then you have the problem of of comparing my scale to somebody else's scale if I'm not using exactly the right ball bearing and exactly the right type of gauge. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I I have actually recommended this though for places like. People in India contact me and say they want to assess the firmness. And I'm like, if you want to just check for your own golf course and not compare to anybody else, of course, the depth of the ball mark is uh, from that ball bearing drop is going to be related uh, to how firm the surfaces are. So I have recommended that people could simply put something together that that could measure this. Mm-hmm. And then let's move on to the yellow one, the Clegg. Um, I... So I've just described all the difficulties that I've had with the ball bearing drop. Well, with the Clegg, I don't have that problem. It takes about two seconds to make a drop. I can stand upright. I make the drop. It's well balanced, even on slightly sloping surfaces. I don't have to put my foot and balance it or anything. I just drop it and you get an instant digital readout of the number and if you want to you can have do bluetooth transfer i'm not sure um what the latest models have for data transfer i write it down in a notebook because i like a hard copy but uh it it gives an instant digital readout of what the number is and i don't really have anything more to say because it's so simple let's move on to the true firm the true firm uh the one from spectrum technologies is a bit of a struggle for me. You can see there's already 
in the image that I uh, show there, there is a foot stand to try to balance it because this one has some balance issues. Even on a flat grain or a flat surface, it, it doesn't really want to stand upright. And you get it on even a little slope and it tends to want to fall over. I don't like that because it's not nearly as, as easy to use as the Clegg. Even though the Clegg looks like it might be top heavy, it somehow it uh, it work it's better balanced than than the, that particular true firm. I have another big problem with the true firm in that the digital display on it it only shows the number for a few seconds and then it quickly goes to the average. I I'm trying if I'm trying to assess like 20 points on the same green, I want to know each of those points. And I don't, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, um, I can't use the true firm and have a conversation at the same time because it quickly stops showing the number that I've just measured. I don't know any way to go back and get that number unless I see it instantly as it appears because it quickly changes the display to a running average. I can calculate that running average by myself from the individual measurements. So I just don't really like the display output. And then thirdly, I have struggled to um, get those numbers to make quite as much sense as the Clegg. Like if I go to a green, remember that time we went to Osaka Golf Club and there, I think there'd been a typhoon that came through and I brought all those measuring tools. The greens had standing water in some areas and that was about as soft of a surface as you could ever have. Mm -hmm. And you know, the numbers we measured that day with that, with the Clegg were like 48, 55, 57. That's about as soft as you'll ever get. And right. I can repeat that when I go other places and it's about as soft as it will ever get. You know, the numbers that we get 45, 50, 55 that, I mean, that's just what it is. And then, uh, if, we talk about a green that you're familiar with. The 15th green at Kea Golf Club has a type, and, and the third green at Kea Golf Club are quite firm because of the type of sand that was used and the time that they were constructed. For whatever reason, those greens are particularly firm. If those get really, really dry, well, not, I mean, not that the grass is wilting, but just before the grass wilts and they've been mowed and rolled a lot, those greens are going to be 125, 130 which is quite firm for that style of golf course. And that's really typical. And the, the Clegg just hits those numbers and measures that. And when I've gone with the true firm, sometimes it just doesn't make as much sense to me. And I'll get on surfaces that I think are going to be really firm and they're not. Then I'll get on surfaces that I, but my feet and the Clegg are telling me they're firm with this particular true firm. I'm just not quite so satisfied with the numbers. There is another true firm that I'm not showing here. That's the original one that the USGA was selling. I, I don't know if they still do. I recall that the price for that was something in the thousands of dollars. I believe it was more than $5,000. So you're already looking at something that's about triple the price of the Clegg. Maybe almost, yeah, let's just say it's about triple the price of the Clegg. Uh, double, double, triple, quadruple, something like that. So it's expensive. It required a, a handhold computer running Windows to operate. So you can get those special kind of handhold computers, but now you've got a computer in one hand. You've got it connected by a cable to the true firm. You've got the same balance issues. 
And I was just like, what's this? Like, this is way too complicated. Those numbers do seem to be better and more repeatable than the numbers that you get with, uh, uh, with a much more affordable and, and, uh, quick to use one that spectrum sells. But, uh, it's just not, it doesn't match up at all with what I find with the Clegg that I can get a reading in two seconds and I move on to the next one. And, uh, so, and then there's the Yamanaka tester that's used in Japan. It's very standard in Japan. Um, Andrew, you would be familiar with this one. Um, and basically I think there's, there's a problem with how firm you press that into the green. So I think you typically get a number there. 20, 19, 20, 21 is a moderately normal green. And then you get like 22 and 23, it's firm. And then 24, 25, it's like extremely firm. So you're working with a very low, uh, range of numbers you're like it's going to be somewhere from 18 to 25 on the scale and the mm -hmm. problem is if i go do it and push really hard i might get a 22 and i guess if you go do it and push even harder you might get a 21 um right i'm and i've, I've always just like been concerned about that of like what if this the spring tension in the different yamanaka testers also um, yeah because a Biko golf club had one uh, that I used and then I went to Kasumi Gaseki and used theirs and the numbers were a little bit different mm -hmm. and it, it was like, Hmm, I, I just wonder if you've got a uh, one that's has the spring a little bit worn out or a little bit more tension in it, you might right. get something a bit different. That was made like back in the what sixties or seventies. It's been around for a long time and I'm sure that they still make new ones now. I, I presume but oh, yeah, but it's it's a technology. It's I think it's a cone penetrometer. I think that's what it is. Yeah, because it actually goes into the green. It goes into the green and makes a little impression, and then it's it's measuring one of two things. One is the depth, and one is like the the resistance. So we're talking that number. I think that number is like supposed to be kilograms per square centimeter or something. It's like the resistance. Or, yeah, or something two, like that. There's one in millimeters or one and then one in yeah. yeah. Centimeter or something, yeah. Kilograms. And the, yeah, and the centimeter scale is some or sorry, millimeters, I think that scale is like seven to twelve. Mm -hmm. It's it, you get lower numbers, but the numbers that are typically reported in Japan are going to be in the range of eighteen up to about twenty five. And so for and tournaments you're typically 2223 that's like all the all the players that come to the golf course they'll always ask you what the stamp is and what the compaction is i don't think you ever get that in, like in any other country about asking about what the, the compaction is on the greens yes it's it's standard in japan for people to be using this yamanaka tester and to have some idea of of what the compaction is and because it's been so common for so long um it's the professionals know that but also uh avid golfers are familiar with that number aren't they they are <clears throat> but do you measure that at kea no I, if they ask me i just throw up a number and that's why i don't like that that tool so much because you can guess the number um, yeah because you or 
it, it you've only got like six numbers to choose from or seven numbers that you could choose from and you know it's not at the very low end and you know it's not a 24 or 25 so you're basically at kea for everyday play you could say it's 21 22 or 23 all of yeah. which are quite acceptable and if we would go use that tool guaranteed that's the number we would get too right yep so yeah those are the tools and um I don't think every golf course needs to measure this. I think, I think it is important to assess firmness, but as I've thought about this and realized that, um, for research purposes, it is nice to have these tools for tournament, uh, for tournament playability assessments. It is quite good to have these tools to be able to put an exact number to it, um, and to check for variability and things like that for the average golf course. What I recommend is assess the firmness, uh, on a three-point scale, that scale being too soft, just right, or too firm. And I think anybody that plays golf or can look at ball marks or can watch golf balls landing on the greens or can listen to golfer feedback, um, and basically you take all of those things as an integrated score, and you can just rate the greens as being too soft, just right or too firm. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've recommended that the average golf course make a weekly assessment of playability. Um, I've often recommended that be done on a Friday because I assume that just before a weekend, most, uh, most greens are going to be pretty good. So you can on a, on a Friday, you could measure the stint meter for green speed. You could measure the bobble test to measure the trueness and smoothness of the roll. And you can just give a simple score of the greens are at the acceptable level of firmness or they're too soft or they're too firm. If you do that every Friday, then you track through your growing season, or if you're open for an entire year, you can measure that for a 52 week period. Now you can see your upper and lower bounds for green speed, upper and lower bounds for firmness, upper and lower bounds for smoothness and trueness. And you can also see when big maintenance events or not doing maintenance events has led to declines or improvements in turf grass uh, playing conditions. And you can also count the number of days through the year or the number of weeks. In this case, we one week would equal seven days. So you could say um, how many weeks or how many weeks multiplied by seven do you have a certain level of playing surfaces at the property? And I think that's really useful as a way to try to optimize conditions. Uh -huh. But if you are going to use a tool, so if you're going to go a step beyond, uh, if you're going to go a step beyond that simple assessment, I just, I strongly recommend this SDI Clegg um, until I'm aware of something better. That's uh, from, from using all of these, I just, I think the clay is so simple. And so now let's go a little bit more into this post and I'll bring that picture down and let's, uh, let's see, what did I write? I said, I've made paired measurements of surface firmness with all these tools. Um, I've done this with different grasses and I said, this chart shows the results. So Andrew, would you like to explain this chart that the chart, which I brought up to full screens is a uh, putting green surface firmness by four methods. No, I'll let you explain that to me. 
<laughs> so this is a bit of a joke. Um, I put this chart together as a bit of a joke, but basically just to put all the information that I had at the time out there at the time that I wrote this post, because I, I get the question so much. I, I keep just saying, look, I've used all of these. The Clegg is my recommendation by far. Uh, it just works. It's easy to use. And people keep saying, well, I'm using something else. How can I correlate it with the Clegg? And then I get the question again three months later. I'm using something else. How can I correlate it with the Clegg? Or how can I correlate this one with that one? And I'm like, you know, to... Uh, to make it easy to answer that question, I'm just going to do this blog post. I'll put this chart together and I'll show that actually they tend not to be so well correlated. And the reason why I think they're not so well correlated is because the other ones don't work quite as well. And, and um, they're just not quite as accurate. And also you have some problems with trying to do correlation when you're working across a very uh, limited range of firmness. On this chart, um, I'm showing Clegg in the top left. And then if you look at that diagonal, you've got Clegg in the top left, then you've got True Firm going on this diagonal down to the right, Precision in the middle, then the Yamanaka, and then the TDR. So we're looking at uh, four different uh, firmness meters, the Clegg, True Firm, Precision, and the Yamanaka tester. And then the, the TDR is a soil moisture meter. And if we look at the, um, the lower left diagonal, if we look, if we go down from the clegg and then over to the true firm, Andrew, all these scattered points are what the, the, the measurements would be. So for example, if we look at the point, can you see my cursor, that little magnifying glass yeah. on the screen? So if we see that, if we look at that right around the 700 value, that's the 700 value that corresponds with the true firm measurement, which is really, really soft on a true firm scale. And if we take that down, that's about 75 on the Clegg scale, which is not so soft because you know that we've measured down to about 50, 40, high 40s, low 50s when a surface is really soft with the Clegg. So I think the Clegg is a can go even further with with uh, how soft a surface is. So that's mm -hmm. what those those points are. So these are scatter plots. We can also look at the Clegg versus the precision. But what's well, we can also look at the Clegg versus the Yamanaka. And then this line through there kind of shows how they're related. And if we look over on the top right, this is called a correlation matrix. And on the on the bottom left, we've got these scatter plots. And then on the right, we've got the correlation coefficients. If you have a very a number that's closer to one or closer to negative one, that would mean you can predict one from the other with exactness, meaning there there would be a perfect line, uh, a linear relationship between them. It, as the number gets closer to zero, um, like negative 0.1, which is the relationship between the Clegg and the TDR, for example, that means they're not so closely, closely related. Um, or the, uh, the true firm and the TDR, no, no real correlation, which, which is not really the way you would expect it. So that's what that is showing. The problem that I've had 
with um, with trying to get a correlation between these uh, tools is that they're a little bit variable and I haven't been at the right perfect location to be able to get a nice correlation. The way that you could do it is if you can measure really soft surfaces and really firm surfaces at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could do it, but I don't know. It's, it's never been a question for me of like, let's try to predict one from the other because every time I've, I've made the paired measurements, um, it, you know, I struggle with the measurements with the Yamanaka. I've, it's been impossible to use the precision ball bearing drop. So then I've used the Clegg and the True Firm, found they're not very well correlated. But I'm like, what's the point of this? Because the Clegg, to me, is just such a better tool <laughs> for doing this. Um, I, I've just, so I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm just going to make this complicated chart. People can look at it. They can get the, uh, they can see that I've tried to do something with it. And uh, I'm done with it. Yep. So, yeah. So that's the chart. Well, let's see, Andrew. We've we've already been recording for about uh, the duration of what I expected the entire show to last. So uh, at the start, I said I was going to talk about two posts. But I think I'm going to record a different show for that because I think we can still talk about this post a little bit more. And that other one, which is about the different grass types, uh, mm-hmm. what those numbers are, that's going to be a long discussion too, I think. Or it has the potential to be a long discussion. So let me talk about this one a little bit more and then uh, we'll just confine our discussion to this post if that's all right. Okay. So... Um, Let's see. I I put some bullet points in the post. I said a quick note here on units for these different tools. Um, the clay is in gravities times 10, I believe, recording the deceleration of the probe as it hit the surface. The next bullet point says I've expressed the precision measurement, which is that ball bearing drop, as millimeters below the surface, which is the depth that the ball bearing sank into the green. And that, of course, is something that I've had a terrible, terribly difficult time measuring, both because you have to get your head down to the putting green level in order to read that meter. And the other, um, what did I say I was going to call it? The digital caliper. And the other thing is that digital caliper that I have is has proven to be impossible to use. Um, and the next bullet point, I said the true firm units. Remember, I mentioned earlier that that was at 700. I think that's supposed to be inches below the surface divided by a thousand. Mm-hmm. And that would be um, <clears throat> thousands of an inch. So you'd be 600 thousandths of an inch or 700 thousandths of an inch. The Yamanaka, now I, I've got it in the blog post, I wrote that it was millimeters. And I think I misspoke earlier, and I was saying that it was kilograms per square centimeters. Uh, I think that the number that we were talking about, the 18 to 25 range, I think that actually is the millimeter scale, uh-huh. Andrew. Is that? Uh, yeah, I think that that's correct. It is yeah, millimeter. Right. So I I misspoke earlier. Please, uh, please refer to what we just said as being correct, because I... I expect that when I wrote this, I probably knew what I was talking about. Yeah, and then, your go ahead. Hmm? 
What what's that, Andrew? Your podcast, so I just let it ride. <laughs> Man, that's I have guests on here to disagree with me and bring some excitement and uh instead of just me ranting about something and making mistakes, um, you can say, Micah, you know, why are you why are you doing this when you're making mistakes and misinforming people and and uh you know, maybe you should call this the ATC misinformation channel instead of the ATC double cut, you know, make funny jokes like that. <laughs> I, I summarized with this, which I think, uh, is, is what I've been talking about. But in the blog post, I said, of all these, I find the Clegg the easiest to use, the fastest to use, the one most sensitive to real differences in surface firmness that I observe with my feet or with the golf ball reaction and the one that instantly gives a usable number and then I can move on to make another measurement. So there's a bit more in the post, but that's how I would summarize it. And I just, I just really like that, uh, that tool. Mm. So, um, Andrew, that, uh, that's something, I guess, the one thing that I would say about the Clegg also, I, I was using that in Spain recently at the Catalonia Championship. And at the start of the week, it had rained. It had rained quite a bit right, right before the tournament, I think on the Thursday and then on the Saturday or Sunday before the tournament, it rained. So you can consider the greens were at field capacity. And the average value that I measured on Monday morning with the Clegg on the greens was 87. And 87 happens to be a very average number for the Clegg. For that particular Clegg, the the 500 gram golf course firmness tester um, from SDI, that's the average of pretty much all the greens that I've measured in the world. And then over the course of the week, it went up to a high on average of about 102. I think for a tournament, it's nice to have it at 95 or above. And ideally, you'd have it for a parkland style golf course. I think something in the range from 100 to 110 provides a really nice fair test. We're not talking about major championship level firmness. We're not talking about link style courses. We're not talking about Royal Melbourne sand belt type of firmness. But for a parkland style golf course, one where you've got some rough typically that players would be hitting out of. What I've observed for low handicap players or for golf professionals, if they're hitting from the fairway, they can easily stop the ball on the green. The ball will bounce forward a little bit and then they can spin it back or it will just check up or maybe roll out a little bit. From the rough, with a short iron, if you hit it really well, you typically could still stop it on the green. With a medium to long iron from the rough, if the firmness is at a 100 to 110 level, th there's some chance that the ball will bounce forward and roll completely off the green, which for me, that makes a nice firm test. If golf professionals hitting from the rough can stop it with a short iron, cannot with a medium to long iron, and from the fairways, they can control the ball. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the numbers with the Clegg. That's what it means. And, uh, I just, I'll say again, I, after using all of these tools, I can't recommend that one highly enough for ease and rapid getting the number and moving on. I, I just don't like doing a big complicated measurement and, uh, and not being able to be sure of the number. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, I'm, I'm glad you agree, Andrew. And you, yeah, this is the perfect length for an episode. If we jumped into that other blog post, this thing could go for over an hour, which I don't want to take up your time on on a day like this to um, to 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 keep you here. And I don't want to take up our our viewers or listeners' times um, to just keep harping on and on about how much I like the Clegg and how. Um, the other ones can be useful, but they're just not my favorite. Um, so yeah. And I think firmness is, is something that you really don't even need the meter. Like I said, it's really useful to just assess the surfaces as being firm enough or too soft or just Mm -hmm. right. And, um, I, I think that can guide some of your maintenance practices like aerification, sand top dressing, the organic matter management if the surfaces are already too firm, then well, you might want to loosen the surfaces by doing some aeration. That's something also that I've learned. I think when you, you and I over the years have talked about this, where I used to recommend to make greens firmer, I used to recommend coring and filling those holes with sand. And we Uh did that and then measured with the clay. It didn't, it didn't work the way I thought it would, did it? Oh, it got softer. Yeah, it gets softer, even though those holes are filled with sand. So the if you want the surfaces to be firmer, I think what you can do is just stop punching holes into the into the surfaces. And you think about it, what we learned in school, if you read about what aeration does, what cultivation of the surface does, it's a decompaction method. So naturally, if you decompact the soil, it gets softer and as you've been preparing for tournaments year after year, we've made really good use of the clay and those measurements and comparing that with the maintenance practices that you've done to be able to get the situation where the surface firmness has been pretty, pretty good, even when it rains quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And if you had punched more holes, I, I don't think the surfaces would be as firm as, as they have been. I agree. But that that could be assessed also not with a clay or not with a Yamanaka or not with a true firm. It could be assessed by just rating the surface as firm enough, too firm, or too soft. And that's it's something that I think it's it's easier to do that than it is to make a stint meter measurement. And I I do recommend that every golf course in the world, if they care about optimizing the maintenance practices, start keeping track of green speed, the bobble test, which is a measure of smoothness and trueness and firmness on, if you can do it weekly. And I I think that proves after one year, it's really valuable. And then after two years and three years, it goes on. You have this beautiful set, set of your maximum and minimum values and how long or what time duration within the year you're within your optimum range. And then if you want to try to optimize that, you can. Now, if you're not going to try to optimize anything, then just don't bother. But I think for most people working in the business now, they would like to try to optimize it because it's it's more fun that way and it allows you to produce better surfaces and to make sure that you're doing all the work that's necessary in order to keep those surfaces at a high standard or 
uh, preferably getting better and better over time. Yep. Yep. All right, Andrew. Well, this was a this is a good one. Thank you so much for joining me. I know that we, you and I, have talked about this so much that I think after I say this, you're like, "Yep, I've heard that before." You know, um, and I just i i wanted to have you there so you could correct me on things like that uh, Yamanaka error I was making. So I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Andrew. Well. Um, I really appreciate you joining me on this episode. I'll let you go and then I'll sign out. So hopefully see you again sometime and and we'll we'll be able to do this again when the time is right. You betcha. All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Bye-bye. Well, everybody, thank you for joining on this episode about the surface hardness and four tools to measure that on putting greens. And I guess I, I gave you the other tool that you can use, which is the three point scale of uh, too soft, just right, or too firm. So that's it for this episode. We just got through that one blog post. The other one, which I will record uh, at some point in the future, is another one of those classic ones. And that's about what we can expect, what I've measured for surface hardness, for firmness on greens planted to a wide range of turf grass species and at least one of those species i bet you've never even heard of it so find out what that species is and uh, stay tuned for that next episode when we talk about that on the atc double cut for atc from yantikau thailand i'm michael woods <laughs>